Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Eric Bilstadt, remember yesterday we were talking about the guy that they found who'd been living in the 8-foot deep, 8-foot wide, 20-foot bunker oh, yeah. for like 7 to 10 years. In Esterbrook Park. In Esterbrook here, Park, Park, right, 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 literally right across the street. And and people say he's off the grid. Well, I'm not sure how off the grid you can be when you're in Milwaukee County or the city of Milwaukee, I think, actually. But the interesting thing was, you know, we were talking about, you had mentioned, I, I think, on the air and certainly off the air, that you thought Channel 4 had found this guy, you know, beforehand. Right, and he stumbled upon the bunker, well, yeah. Well, right. Well, what happened was... I, actually, what happened was, if you will recall, a month and a half ago or so, they were lifting that big tower. One of our one of the towers is across the street mm-hmm. that people see it, and they were changing out the tower. And what they do to do that is you get a helicopter that comes in and that lifts the tower. Well, obviously, what happens is you got to make sure that there's no people underneath when you're doing this lift of this giant TV tower. So I, they were telling me they, they had the helicopter up and they saw this guy wandering around because oh, this was right Jeez. by where the bunker was. So Channel 4, our, one of our, our colleagues, former colleagues, calls the police mm-hmm. and say, hey, there, there's this, this guy here. You know, we're, we're getting ready to lift this tower. You might want to check this out. They said, I ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> which which makes you wonder how many other people are living quote unquote off the grid, you know, in bunkers in in Esterbrook Park and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I said, well, what do you mean? They, they said, just don't worry about it. You know, it, it told us, you know, we we called it, we reported. It. There was right, this guy yeah. like right, right there, and they they saw all this stuff from the helicopter and the place. Ah, eh, you know, who cares? Just a guy. Well, exactly. So maybe for the folks that you know don't want to leave, you know, Tent City, you know, now, now we know. Just give them a shovel, and they can dig some space in Esterbrook Park, and they'll let them sit there. Just, just kind of saying. I also, Eric, I might need you to come back in, and and you and you and Gru might need to help me because. My my wife, who has decided that she wants to keep me around, she said, "Look, you, I, I I've lost a bunch of weight. I've managed to keep it off." Mm-hmm. But she says, hey, "You got to exercise," and and so I go over to the gym and get on the the treadmill and stuff oh, like that. You. But I, but I don't do it as much as I should. Okay. I, I was. And so she said, this is what you need. You need a personal trainer. So she found me, Jason. It, it was at the place across the street. So every Tuesday morning, today was the first Tuesday, <laughs> 7.30 to 8.15, I, I show up with, with Jason. And um, I, so I did 45 minutes. And let me just say, I can barely move. <laughs> I, I can I can. I can Barely, barely move. Yeah, the the yeah, thing yeah. that, that there's all these different exercises. Now, this was just the first day, so I'm sure it will get better. But the thing that did me in was he, he had me doing all these, these squats. Now, it might sound easy, but they just have a bench. And you sit in a bench and you just like stand up and mm-hmm. it stretches mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And, you know, it, it sounds like it's nothing, but 
if you haven't done that very often and you do 40, 60 of these things, my thighs, I, I, mean, it's, oh it's, my I, I think other stuff is going to be sore too. But right now, it's I, so I, I, I go home and, you know, my office is upstairs in our condo and stuff. I start heading up these stairs. I'm like, holy buckets, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I am um, getting up and out of this chair might be a bit problematic. So if, if you get the emergency call, I'm going to need you and Gru to help right, like, lift me out of there. So it, but, but I'm sitting down, so it, it, it'll work out fine. All right. I was uh, th- this credit to Channel 12 who, who did this this reporting. If you are a regular listener to this program, you know that from time to time I rebel against the notion of of the people who are just so offended by lunch shaming. You know the idea that oh we should just give these kids you know who who don't qualify for free lunches or don't qualify for assisted lunches. Well, even if they show up without money. We just should give them, you know, food over and over and over again. And I rebel against that. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not the job of the taxpayers to feed your kid lunch if you can afford to do it. And I'm sorry, I, I just, and I understand that there are times where a parent like forgets or blows off the notice, um, but at some point in time, I think you have an obligation to either, number one, make your kid a bag lunch to send to school, or if you can afford it, as long as you expect, you know, if you expect to get the hot lunch and you don't qualify for the free lunches or the assisted lunches, I, I think, you know, you you can't just allow your kids to get free lunches. You play everybody else as suckers. All right. So I give them credit. WISN goes out, Channel 12 goes out and they do, they look at suburban districts and they, they make a request and they say, we want to know. How how much in arrears, how much unpaid lunch debt do you have? Now, the MPS, all the kids in the MPS school district qualify for the, the free lunch. That, that's just that, that that's how it works, because under federal law, if there's a certain percentage, if it's over a certain percentage, everybody qualifies. So MPS would not be included in this. But they go out and they ask a number of suburban districts about unpaid lunch debt. All right. Here's some of the numbers. Brown Deer. $4,700, okay? Cudahy, $3,200. Franklin, $864, okay? Greendale, $36,000. Greenfield, $1,500. Shorewood, $43,000. Hey, you know, when, when they're asking you for the school referendums, $43,000 in Shorewood, unpaid lunch debt. Wawapakosa, $26,000. West Dallas, West Milwaukee, big school district, $59,000 in unpaid lunch debt. Menominee Falls, we Menominee Falls, the school district's gotten a lot of ridicule for the what's going on out there, appropriately so, but $3,100, okay. Waukesha, $11,000. These are unpaid, this is unpaid lunch debt. The winner, at least in the Channel 12 thing of their their investigation, Oak Creek Franklin School District reports $133,602.77 in unpaid, uncollected lunch debt. That is more than double the unpaid lunch debt of the second 
biggest debtor, West Allis, West Milwaukee, which um, is a much larger, I believe, school district. $133,602. Now, I, I just I found this to be kind of a staggering sort of number, and, and this is rolling debt. It's not all from like this semester, but it, it's uncollected debt that keeps mounting and mounting and mounting and mounting. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the taxpayers, you taxpayers in Oak Creek Franklin are going to have to pay for it. Now, I wondered how something like this would happen. So I pulled up, and I have in my hand right now, the Oak Creek Franklin Joint School District 2019-2020 School Breakfast Lunch Program. I, I've got it. This is the document. And, and this is what they say. They say, okay, look, here, here's the form if you want a free lunch, et cetera, et cetera. This is the application to fill out. And then it goes on to talk about how account balances must be kept up to date. The food service department will review accounts on a weekly basis, send home a note with elementary students when the account falls below 10 bucks, and high school and middle school students will get a verbal reminder. If the family balance reaches zero, a letter or email will be sent home. Full payment is expected within seven days. Should a family's account balance be in arrears, $3 per child per family, the children will not be able to have a full meal that day. Food service personnel will provide the children with a short lunch consisting of a cheese sandwich and milk, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on to essentially say credit will not be extended. Money will not be loaned to students. Credit will not be extended to students. It is the personal responsibility of each parent and student to remember to bring his or her own money or bring a bag lunch. Okay, that's the policy. I am reading this. And, you know, if I were reading this, I would say, yeah, that that's exactly, I agree. You know, you've got to notify the parents when the account falls a little bit in arrears. You can't keep giving them the lunches. What you have to do is you have to say, all right, it's your responsibility to bring this up to date or make your kid a bag lunch. Well, $133,000 later, it doesn't sound like Oak Creek Franklin is following their policy. The chief financial officer quoted on Channel 12 as saying, well, a lot of families who are sitting tight and live paycheck to paycheck every month, and they have to decide where their dollars go. So in other words... We've decided that regardless of what our policy says, we're apparently not going to follow it because, you know, other people, they have to decide where their dollars go. And apparently feeding their children isn't a priority. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it is borderline Well, it's more than borderline irresponsible. But from the perspective of taxpayers in school districts, the idea that you carry – look, I I understand. You can carry debt of 1000 or 2000 or 3000 bucks. I I understand there's always going to be some bad debt that you have to write off. I I get it, and I'm not arguing that, you know, you should – cut off kids from food, you know, simply because their account balance gets to zero. But to run a continuing deficit of $133,000 tells me that, well, you're, you're not following your own rules. And candidly, I don't think that that's fair to the taxpayers of the school district. All right. This is the issue. The movement now is, hey, every kid should get a free lunch regardless of ability to pay. 
You know, and obviously there are some school districts out there that irrespective of their policy, you know, they're making the decision that they're not going to, you know, follow their policy. They're going to allow people to, you know, get in debt. And I just think it's wrong. 414-799-1620. I mean, what's wrong with a cheese sandwich and milk? If, you know, you refuse to pay and the idea is that, well, okay, parents money is a little bit tight, so they've got to choose, you know, where they're going to spend their money. Well, maybe if that's really the case, maybe it would be lose the third cell phone and pay for your darn kids lunch or send your kid to school with a bag lunch like my mother did every day of my life. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Ralph and Franklin. Ralph, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing, man? Real well, thank you, sir. What do you think? This, this is really an interesting story. So I live in Franklin, and, and I have a child that goes to the Franklin School District, and this upsets me to know that I keep my kid's account up to date. And sucker, sucker, so sucker. i to find out why I would continue to do that since they don't really seem to care if I pay the account or not, and my kid continues to eat. I, I You know, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> $133,000. And of course, that the CFO of the school district, he, he's defending this. He says, well, you know, some families live paycheck to paycheck and, you know, they have to decide where their dollars go. So yeah, Ralph, you, you're, you're a sucker for putting money into your kid's account and being a responsible parent. I just it, and then to know the taxes that we pay and to know that eventually we're going to be stuck with the bill on top of all of that just it just well makes my head spin well right and and I, I don't mean to pour salt in the wound but isn't your school district the same one that last November passed the sixty point nine million dollar referendum to increase the tax load that they have to build yeah. like gyms and athletic fields yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yes absolutely so I wonder how much of that money is going to go towards paying off the. I, the school lunch program that I, should be going towards better facilities for the students. I, I don't. Well, I mean, I, I mean, thanks. For, like I said, I, I, again, if if we were talking about a couple thousand bucks, it it wouldn't be that big a deal because I I understand you have to extend credit, and sometimes you're going to get you know people who don't pay or whatever. It's just a hundred and thirty three thousand dollars strikes me as as a staggering, just a staggering amount of money. Now, admittedly, I again, this is a rolling number. So, I mean, these are bad debts from, from years, and I don't know how long it goes, but it would tell me that you have a policy that is not working, or at least your written policy that says once you fall three bucks behind, you know, the kid get a che- gets a cheese sandwich. Apparently that's, or, or you have to bring, you know, you have to send your kid with a lunch, which I candidly don't think is all that irresponsible. I mean, it's just send your kid with a bag lunch. Um, I, I just, you know, if I lived in Oak Creek, Franklin, and I saw these numbers in this story, I would be saying, what the heck is going on here? Who thinks that this is a good idea? And why are we apparently not following our written policy, which says that we're not going to be extending credit to people, because obviously that is precisely what's been happening for year after year after year, $133,000. And let's be honest, you're never going to collect that. That's just money. That's just money that's gone. You're never going to collect it at all. And yet you got a school board that pushes school referendums pleading poverty. Give me a break. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
James Luigi Schmidt, member of the Milwaukee County Board since the early 1990s, announced that he was not, he was first elected actually December of 1998. He uh, announced that he is not going to run for re-election again. He's one of the longest serving members of the Milwaukee County Board. In his statement, he says, well, I think it's kind of time. I consider myself to be a good elected official. Hmm. It is impossible to judge James Luigi Schmidt's tenure and the county board and his belief that he's a good elected official without also remembering that not too long after he took office, he was one of the 20 members of the Milwaukee County Board who voted yes, yes, yes for what we now call the pension scandal voted for the richest public pensions in state history. First, they voted for a plan with new pension benefits for non-union workers that were particularly lucrative to veteran employees. Then in February of 2001, they compounded their mistake by voting to extend similar benefits to union employees. As a result of that, you have certain highly paid people who were able to retire by collecting, again, a monthly pension and over a million dollars in cash. It was a scandal that ended up seven of the county supervisors ended up getting recalled. number of them ultimately over the years have not been reelected. Schmidt has been hanging on. I, I think there's one or two left that still voted for that. But whenever we talk about the financial problems that hang around the neck of Milwaukee County, like like an albatross, it all comes back to the pension scandal. And the problem is it, it's not going to get better, at least for the next five or, or ten years. And it's all because you had a number of members of the county board and the former executive, the late county executive, Tom Amitt, who were either incompetent, they to this day will allege that they were misled, but the truth of the matter is, you know, it's your job to kind of figure this stuff out. And you will never, ever, ever convince me that at least that there weren't some people who were pushing for this who knew exactly what this would mean for longstanding employees. So one of the last people who voted for the pension scandal, the whole pension plan, the backdrop, everything that has led to the financial mess that has infected Milwaukee County for the last couple decades. James Luigi Schmidt, he's he's retiring. The um, the statement in the paper, he says, well, he regretted his vote early in his career for the pension backdrop benefit. He says, I'm still upset about it. Well, okay, Supervisor Schmidt, I've got news for you. There's a lot of other people in Milwaukee County are really upset about this as well. And, yes, I would hope you regret that particular decision because this is an example where one, or in this case two, harebrained, ill-considered, poorly researched decisions could really, like I say, devastate a county for decades and I don't know what the ultimate answer is going to be, but you know, if you look back at a lot of the the juggling that's been going on and trying to figure out how you're going to pay for the parks and how you're going to pay for services, at the same time having to deal with this pension mess, 
it goes back to these ill-considered votes that were taken without a lot of discussion and with almost no public scrutiny, like I say, that have hamstrung the people and the taxpayers of Milwaukee County for the last couple of decades and cost a number of people their jobs. One of the guys that was able to soldier through despite supporting it, he's now stepping down as well. When we come back, the numbers are in, and they're not great. What do they mean? We will discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Last Saturday was the beginning of, of the gun deer hunting season, which runs through this week and ends ends next weekend. The preliminary numbers are in, and, and here's a couple things. Same time between same time this year and same time last year. The number of people who took out licenses is down. Um, as of midnight Sunday, uh, the DNR says there were about 555,000 gun deer licenses that were sold. Okay, 555,000. That's about a 1.4% decrease over the same time last year. And that continues an ongoing trend of, of fewer and fewer licenses. Doesn't necessarily mean fewer hunters because it could be that people are switching from like gun deer to bow or something like that. But the number of gun deer licenses down year to year, same point in time by 1.4%. In addition, What they say is the number of deer that were taken for the first two days of the 2019 gun hunting season down dramatically from last year. It's down 27 percent, 27 percent. Now, the DNR says, well, okay, there's there's really nothing to see here. Um, We've anticipated it would be less because of, of the timing. This year, the gun deer season started the actually the latest possible date. Thanksgiving is about as is as late as it can possibly be, and they say because you know deer hunting is tied around Thanksgiving, it started so late, and there's typically when you start late, there's less deer activity um, at this time. In addition, they say that you know you had some you, you didn't have snow, so it's arguably more difficult to track deer. And in some areas, there's still standing crops in much of the state, so you know you don't have as good a visibility. So the, the preliminary thing, at least from the DNR, is yes, it's down dramatically, but but there's really nothing to see here. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here is my question, especially if you are a gun deer hunter. Is is this drop? And again, it, it, it can turn around. I mean, you know, there's, you know, by... There, there could be a lot of people out in the woods, you know, this week. There could be people that, you know, go up after Thanksgiving, although with the weather forecasts, my, my guess is you're not going to have a, a lot of people. If the snow hits up north like it's supposed to, you're not going to have a lot of people that are going to be out in blizzard conditions uh, tonight, tomorrow, Friday. But, again, I, I understand deer hunting, deer hunters are hardy people. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a predictable drop, or is it something to be concerned about? And if you were out hunting last weekend, was your experience better or worse? Did you see more deer? Did you see less deer? Is this just, okay, it's, it's late in the calendar year, and... There's not as much deer activity as there would be if the hunt was two weeks earlier. Or is this 
a continuation of perhaps a larger trend. A 27% year-to-year drop is a big deal. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, something to be concerned about or nothing to see here. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And this is Jeff Wagner. The preliminary numbers are in for the first two days of the deer hunt, and the number of deer taken are down dramatically, 27%. Uh, My sense is, given the weather forecast for the balance of the, the week and the fact that they're predicting large amounts of snow and blizzard conditions, my, my sense is that this might go down as one of the, the worst deer hunts you know ever. DNR is saying, well, part of it is because it was so late and because there's less deer activity, et cetera, et cetera. All right, what was your experience? Let's start with Brad in Waukesha. Brad, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, well, I, I hunted in the north, uh, northern part of the state. I didn't really see that much difference as far as deer seen or number of hunters but i did notice on the way home from opening weekend there were much fewer deer on cars that were that had been taken and my other comment was what do you attribute that to let me stop you what do you do you, do you why do you think that was did do you... well, there could be less deer gun hunters mm-hmm. that would be one and the other thing like you said it was a little later there was no snow so it was harder to see them and right. be able to, uh, you know, see where they're been active. But the other comment I had was on the on the equipment, which uh, this crossbow is becoming very popular. Right. And it would be interesting right. to find out if there's more bow hunters because of that. Right. And, uh, instead of gun hunters. So there, that might have something to do with their reduction. Licenses for guns. Yeah, no, Brad, and I think that that's fair. I think you have to be careful to compare apples, you know, apples to apples, because the number of gun deer hunters has been going down steadily. Uh, but at the same time, more and more people have been switching over to, you know, bow hunting or the crossbow. And I, I don't think that I, my my sense is, and this is just anecdotal, my sense is I, I don't think that there's been enough people switching over to like bow hunting to make up for the drop that you're seeing in the gun deer licenses but but it, it clearly is it clearly is a factor 4147991620 is interesting that you have because this see this was predicted early on this was predicted as as potentially a very very successful season because supposedly that the deer population is larger than it's ever been Steve in Kenosha Steve you're on WTMJ Hey, Jeff, I got a couple of thoughts. Um, I'm originally from the Mondovi area up in Buffalo County mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it's prime white-tailed deer hunting. And I think this year in particular, there's a lot of crops on the field, in the field yet, number one. But number two, Jeff, um, I have a lot of family living up there yet. You know, years ago, you could come from wherever, Illinois, wherever, and go hunt. You know, you find the woods and go knock on the farmer's store and say, hey, can we hunt them woods? Sure, go ahead. Well, now you pay for them woods. And mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, you literally buy the woods or lease the woods. So, number one, there are not what we used to call drives going on where you're kicking deer out and they're running all over Tarnation. Right. They're, it's quiet in the woods. So... If you don't have woods, you don't hunt. I mean, I got relatives right in Mondovi. They don't have a monkey with it anymore. They said, you know, we got a few places we can hunt, but it's all bought and paid for. 
I mean, right. you know, you could go out and buy a beef for what you're going to pay to hunt. I mean, right. unless you're there just for the sport. Right. Got it. Thanks for the call. No, I, I think that that's a factor, too. Now, a couple people are texting. Well, for example, one of my texts says the new registration system opens the door for more deer not being registered and being taken illegally. Well, even if there's an element of truth to that, at 27 percent fewer, that, that's a huge that's a huge number. And I mean, I have trouble believing that, you know, they're, let, let, they're the same level as last year and that like a quarter of the deer um, that that kind of drop can be explained by, you know, people who are just not going through the registration process. I mean, you know, maybe this is a seasonal thing. And the reason I think this is so important is, believe me, I, I understand, even though I am not a deer hunter myself, I understand, number one, how important the tradition is to Wisconsin. And number two, from a purely economic standpoint, I understand how important this aspect is, deer hunting is, to the whole tourism industry, to the point that, you know, you have a lot of places up north that, that how how many deer hunters come and, and support, you know, those towns is make or break for a lot of businesses. 414-799-1620, and that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And of course, the, the, the issue becomes if, if people are hunting and, you know, you go year after year and you, you don't see a deer, you don't get a deer. At some point in time, you kind of decide, well, OK, I, I love everything that's about hunting. But the, the ultimate object is to, you know, get a deer. And if I'm not getting deer, well, maybe maybe I should take up bowling. Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hi, Dan. So our group has been uh, hunting uh, together for a long time, and the thing we've been noticing over the last number of years is, uh, one, the increase in turkey population, and they compete for the deer with the same type of food. Uh, the turkey population has gone up, and we think that's attached to the deer. Um, the activity of the coyote around the area, and then the area that we hunt in also has several wolf packs, and over the last few years, um, our group's got nothing. we got 13 people hunting together on a, on a lot. Mm-hmm. And again, this year we we saw nothing. So, so, so we're, tell we're me what 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 would what do you think that's mostly attributed to the wolf activity? Well, I think wolf. There's we know of looking at the DNR reports because we're in the central forest area. There's three wolf packs that are active in the area that we hunt, and um, we, we've seen you know just even talking to the people in the bars, the amount of deer being taken in the area are just down, and they right. only offer from what we understand, like 50 doe tags in that area. Um, so we're wondering how much more of an impact that's making with, with the uh, the uh, increase of the wolf population and even the coyote. How frustrating it is, is it for you to, to go hunting and you go with this large group of people and to, to not, nobody in your group, you know, gets off a shot, much less nobody gets a deer. How, how frustrating is that? Well, while we would all like to go and see a deer and uh, get a deer, we also look at the uh, activity as a weekend to be able to get together with friends. Right. And we even talked that, you know, even if this stops because people are taking up turkey hunting and other things, we'd still go up just because you get together with the people you've been doing it with for so long, and it's 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 right. just the time to get away and enjoy your friendship. Sure, right. It, thank, thank, you know, and, I, and I appreciate it. It's that kind of bonding activity that's there. Somebody was saying, what are the raw numbers? You keep saying there's a 27% decrease. Um, all right, well, somebody can do the math quickly, but the opening weekend this year, 46,800 bucks, 43,400 an- an- anterless deal, anterless deal, 
antlerless deer. So that would be 46, and 43 is about you know, slightly over 90,000 deer. Bucks and antlerless deer taken this year, 27% lower than last year. So you can kind of do the math and figure that that's kind of the raw numbers. I mean, still, I mean, a lot of people out there, I mean, they sold 550 some thousand licenses year to year. So there's a lot of people out there. And when you have 90 plus thousand deer that are taken, I mean, there's still deer that are being taken, but it's down dramatically. And I got to tell you, I'm a little bit surprised. Now, I understand the issue with the late season, but at the same time, uh, we were hearing about how the deer population is larger than ever. Arthur in Milwaukee. Arthur, you're in WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, Arthur. You know, uh, uh, one reason why I think we have in the uh, sort of low deer population is because the DNR um, gave out all those antlers dope permits about uh, five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and people were shooting them like crazy. And now today, you don't see nothing. Right, right. I, Ar- was, I was up in Portage. I was up in Portage, and I talked to a lot of guys. Nobody seen nothing. Okay, so I assume you didn't get a deer this year. Uh, no, sir. Yeah, yeah. But but it's one guy that I hunt with. He lives up there, and he's got a two hundred pound buck with nineteen inch spread, a ten pointer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he, yeah, he was successful. How frustrating is it for you to go hunting and and, and not not get a deer? It's very frustrating. You know, you can put the gas, <laughs> then you buy your motel. I stand in standard motel for the last twenty years. Right. And, and you, know, you know, you got food you buy and everything. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for calling. I mean, I, and that, see, and that, that's the overriding issue. Now, maybe, maybe this year it'll turn around. Again, when you're looking at the weather forecasts, I, I, I'm, yes, you're going to get snow, but you're going to get a little bit of snow. You're going to get 40 mile an hour winds and you're going to get like close to a foot of snow. I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily something that motivates people to, to go out and to try to find the deer. I don't even know what that does to deer activity. So my, my, my guess is, the numbers are not going to pick up dramatically as the week goes on. Could be wrong. Um, hope people enjoy themselves. But this this is an issue, and maybe maybe it's just the, the good weather, and maybe it's just all the fact that the hunt came later this year. But if I'm with the DNR, I'm taking a hard look at what's going on because this is a huge, huge thing for Wisconsin. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, Eric Bilstadt and Gru, you can get on this too. Okay, you, look, I, I'm a betting guy. I know you guys aren't necessarily that. But th- this is one of the stories that's out there. Dennis Quaid, the actor Dennis Quaid, mm-hmm. um, he's... I was born in 1954, so he's like like 65. He'll be 65 in April. People might remember him. He was in Breaking Away. He was in The Right Stuff, The Big Easy, um, a, a number of things. He, he's been around for, for years and years. Okay, um, Personal life. Dennis Quaid was first married to um, the actress P.J. Souls, who is famous for Rock and Roll High School, and she was one okay. of the she was one of the girls in in Halloween that 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 died early on. You know, okay. So they were married. Um, they were married uh, November twenty fifth of nineteen seventy eight. They divorced in nineteen eighty three. Okay, so mm-hmm. that, that's that's marriage number one. Okay, then 
in 1991, he married Meg Ryan. That's right. I you know, that. Okay, so right. You know, people, everybody remembers, you know, Meg Ryan, who mm-hmm. did all sorts of things. Um, okay, they, they were married, 1991. They separated in June of 2000 and were divorced in 2001. So okay. that's marriage number two. Okay, um, he then dated some model, Shana Mokler, in 2001. That relationship lasted for eight months. He then married Texas real estate agent Kimberly Buffington in 2004. Um, they had kids, dot, 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 dot. Ultimately, they were divorced in 2012. Okay, so that's, right. that's, that's, that's three right. for those people who are keeping track at home. All right, then... Um, after that, he apparently entered into a relationship. Okay, so the the, the marriage number three. Okay, Kemp Buffington. That ends in 2018. Then um, he entered into a relationship with a woman named Santa Azuna, a model who was 31 years his junior. Okay. Okay. Right. Quite a bit younger. Quite a bit younger. Yes, that didn't work out. In June of this year, he began a relationship with Laura Savoy, a 25-year-old Ph.D. student. So he's, you know, he's 39, 40 years older than, than she is. Wow. And they have now become engaged. They're going to get engaged. They're going to be married sometime soon. Now, I bring this up because... Apparently, there are all these people that are kind of making fun of of this particular situation. Matter of fact, I've got the story right here. Dennis Quaid defends age gap between himself and fiance Laura Savoy, 26. Oh, that's the headline. I can't, I can't even get angry. Oh, oh, okay, so now, now here, here, here's the thing. What are the odds that this this is okay? So the guy's been married and divorced three times couple other relationships with much younger women that haven't worked out and she's 40 years younger than him now and they're engaged what what are the odds that that the fourth time is going to be the charm here, huh? <laughs> it's low there's it's, no way it's no, way. no way okay Gru, you're, you're getting ready with mrs Gru for the first time huh you know yeah i just did a quick google search his son jack quaid is 27 right oh, so, so, the, so the son is older than the the soon-to-be wife Yes, his soon-to-be mother-in-law or whatever is going to be younger than him. Hey, now, love is love. Well, that's what love he says. That, actually, that it's funny you should mention that because that's what he says. That's what he says in the story. He said, you know, um, it's one of those deals where um, that, that he just, you know, it's an affair of the heart, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, we, we just, you know, I can't control who I fall in love with. And, <laughs> and I mean, fact, I can't argue with, with, with that philosophy love right. is love whatever but for jack his son to be like what the heck is this now here hey yeah you hey, hey son i'm 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 dating somebody new I, I want you to meet her and 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 by the way you know you could have been her babysitter or something <laughs> oh, I, no maybe not quite that bad but it's it's i mean i'm, I'm looking at this and again I, I understand love is love but it's just, i just i was thinking you know um, my guess is the odds of this one turning out any better than the last three is probably, I, I wish them all the best, but you know, at some point in time, maybe you just kind of got to realize that you're not the marrying kind, perhaps, yeah, right, right, you know, right. so that's it. So Dennis Quaid, you know, God bless him. And I, I understand that there are, there are, you know, May, December sort of romances that take off and it's absolutely wonderful. But, you know, it's just, again, when there's some of these track records, you kind of, you kind of wonder. More power to him. Bob Donovan 
is going to be resigning. Bob Donham is a Milwaukee County, city of Milwaukee alderman, and um, ran unsuccessfully against Tom Barrett last time Barrett ran for mayor. I have always liked Bob Donovan on a personal level. Donovan is a conservative Democrat. And, and so, you know, I mean, I think he's very much in tune with his South Side district. You know, we went through a couple periods of time where the, the Democratic Party hierarchy tried to take Donovan out um, electorally, failed miserably, because I think he's in touch with his district. And I, the thing I enjoy about Bob Donovan, I don't always agree with him, but I agree with him a lot, is he says things that because of political correctness or just misguided views or whatever that a lot of people are unwilling or unable to say and so i'm going to miss donovan when he leaves next april yesterday he came out with a press release and i want to share the press release with you because it tells you all you need to know about the city of milwaukee now think about the city of milwaukee for a minute and and you think of some of the good things but then you think of the reckless driving and the hit and runs and the the level of violence and this person being murdered on this street and that person being murdered on that street and the chronic poverty and the joblessness that affects certain areas of the city and the way we spend money like on Tom's trolley folly and things like that. So this is the press release from Donovan. Straws, bathrooms, and mascots. Is that really all we have left to worry about? This came out yesterday. He writes, you can tell a great deal about people and organizations by looking at their priorities. Paging through the agenda for tomorrow's Common Council meeting, which is today, I can only shake my head and wonder where we all evidently lost the plot. At the start of the meeting, We will take up Mayor Tom Barrett's vetoes of the amendments the council made to his proposed budget. It is a budget in which the council, without my assent, voted to reduce the sworn strength of the Milwaukee Police Department by 60 positions. And it is a budget in which the council scrambled for pennies to repave a few alleys and keep our streetlights burning a few minutes longer. All this will happen, I suspect, with little debate or fanfare. Then we will turn to the real business of the people of Milwaukee, the issues for which we decided to run for office and to serve. All right, so this is what they're going to do. First, he writes, in the report of the Public Works Committee will be a directive to various city agencies to establish a gender-inclusive bathroom policy in all municipal buildings. This will be followed in the report of the Public Safety and Health Committee by a ban on the provision of plastic drinking straws in restaurants with certain exceptions. And both of these come on the heels of a letter I was asked to sign last week asking the Menominee Falls School District to replace its long-standing mascot, which has been deemed offensive to some Native Americans. While it was not my intention to debate the merits of any of these proposals, I will say that I have been long skeptical of those who claim Native American mascots are offensive in and of themselves. I continue to believe, for example, that Marquette University erred when it chose not to call its sports teams warriors and did so in an undemocratic way that continues to rankle alumni. As an alumni, I agree. Donovan continues, My concern is not these proposals in themselves. It is that none of them represent the primary concerns of my constituents. They don't even come close. I defy anyone to poll the residents of the city and ask them what their priorities are. What are the odds drinking straws, bathroom policies, and team mascots scratch the top 50? 
It would be easy enough for me to vote against these proposals and move on. I'm afraid, however, that they are more a symptom than disease as our challenges become so great that we grasp at trivial things that seem to be within our control rather than struggle to solve weightier problems. This is the definition of constructing a fool's paradise and is no way to govern a great city like ours. That's Donovan's press release. I repeat, I'm going to miss him when he steps down because how true is that? Get this common council meeting. They're going to just sign off on the, the budget amendments that Barrett had, cutting 60 sworn police officers from the force. And then they're going to spend time arguing about gender-inclusive bathrooms, non-plastic drinking straws, and, gee, we really want the city of Milwaukee to sign on to this harebrained scheme that the superintendent and the school board president have cooked up in Menominee Falls, where they essentially say, screw you to the public. We don't care what you want. We are changing the mascot. All right. Really? And I think Donovan's absolutely right. If you poll the city of Milwaukee, I know people are skeptical about polls, and you say, give me your top 50 concerns, I dare say Native American mascots plastic drinking straws, and gender-inclusive bathrooms, that that's probably, Donovan says it won't scratch the top 50. My guess is it probably wouldn't scratch the top 200. We'll be back in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, uh, the day after Thanksgiving is traditionally known as Black Friday. I think most people know the reason they call it Black Friday is because historically that has been the day where retailers go in. They, they make so much money. It's the start of the Christmas season, and that's where retailers go from being in the red, in other words, being behind, to being ahead. Black Friday. They, the, the ink changes from red ink to black ink, meaning that they have shown a, a profit. I have been doing a radio show. Now, since we got taken over by Good Karma or bought by Good Karma, uh, Friday is a holiday, so I, I don't have to work. Thank you very much, Good Karma Brands. But um, before that, for I'd say most of the 20 years that I've, I've worked here, I have had a show on Thanksgiving Day, and there were a lot of times where uh, on Thanksgiving Day and also the, uh, the Black Friday. And a lot of times those shows were in the, the early time slot. I would be on from like 8.30 until, until noon. And one of the things that we always used to do on those shows is we devote a segment, typically one of the first two segments of the program, to people who had been out and about, the folks who – had been in line outside the department store, you know, looking to be the first one that got in to buy the, I don't know, the DVD player for $39 or whatever. And we take reports from the field and things like that. And I remember I was always struck by the fact that just like we were talking about deer hunting in the last segment of the the program, a, a lot of the Black Friday shoppers, yeah, it was people that were out there looking for bargains, but it was also people looking for the experiences. You know, I'd, I'd have ladies that would call in and say, well, you know, this is just something that I, I've done with my mom or I've done with my sister or I've done with my best friend. This is just what, what we do. We, we get up at 4.30 in the morning and we go stand in line outside the fill-in-the-blank, outside the Walmart, outside the Best Buy, you know, what whatever. Well, okay, 
that started to change a couple years ago because first you, you had the, the Black Friday creep. Uh, a lot of stores decided that they were going to open up on Thanksgiving evening. And so you, you didn't need to be in line outside the big box retailer at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning because the big box retailer opened up at 8 o'clock the night before or something like that. So those crowds decreased. Then, of course, you've had the whole advent of Internet shopping. Now, you know, you you can go on the Internet. You can competitively price stuff. You can get things delivered to your doorstep, you know, the next day or two days from now. You can check out, you know, all the different things you need. You don't need to, if you don't choose to, stand in line again outside the big box retailer, of which there are fewer of them, at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. You don't have to do that. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I want to discuss with you. Now, as somebody who doesn't like to shop at all, you could, even at the height of the Black Friday stuff, you could not pay me enough money to drag my chunky butt out of bed the Friday morning of thanks after Thanksgiving at three thirty in the morning to go stand outside a big box retailer to run and race so I could you know save fifty bucks on on whatever you just you couldn't pay me enough to do that but I know that there's a lot of people who embraced it but now given the fact that you have more sales earlier and later given the fact that you have stores open on Thanksgiving and given the fact that you've got this whole internet thing the fundamental question is is traditional Black Friday going away our number 414-799-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line all right Are you going to be out in that traditional setting? Are you going to be out at 4.30 or 5 o'clock or whatever Friday morning waiting for some store to open up so you can run in and, again, get whatever it is that you want to get as a Christmas gift? Or have all these different factors, the Internet, the fact that prices, you know, you can get good deals a lot of times as the holiday season goes on, and all these other things – Has it killed the traditional Black Friday? Will you still be shopping on Friday the same way you used to shop? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will there be people in the stores? Yes. My guess is there's going to be dramatically fewer that are still shopping the way people used to shop 10 years ago, 20 years ago on Black Friday. What are you going to do? We discuss in a moment. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Let's start with a text before we go to the calls. Female input here. For me, Black Friday is less about what I'm buying and more about the experience and memories that I'm building with my aunts, my sisters, and my daughters. The adventure always comes with a lot of laughs and some frustration, but we talk about it for years to come. Maybe I'm a sap. Maybe I'm too sentimental, but that's what Black Friday is for me. It's kind of like a rite of passage when the girls in our family become young ladies and can join us. I, I've always thought that there is an element to this. 
and again, I, I don't say this to be sexist, but because I know there's female hunters and there's guys that go shopping on Black Friday. But to me, it, it's kind of I've always thought Black Friday is sort of like the the uh, an sort of equivalent of deer hunting, where it is. It's kind of this bonding thing, like the texter is saying, "Hey, we go out, you know." And it's it's always a big deal when the girls in our family are old enough to join the rest of us for the, this day. Becky in Menominee Falls. Hi, Becky. You're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks. I think it's a great thrill. I will continue to do it. Um, it's something that my friends and I get together, and we actually mark off a couple of days beforehand, and we make our list of what we need. It's our time to give back, actually. That's when we um, buy our gifts for, like, Toys for Tots, any charities, like um, right. pet charities, the Human uh, Humane Society. It's our way of getting more for our buck. Got so it. we We'll hunt for those deals just so we can get more to help those charities out. Okay, so tell, we have a tradition. so tell me what this Friday is going to look like for you, just in the beginning of the day. Um, we're going to probably start at Menards. What time? Um, probably as soon as they open. We'll probably get there about a half hour early. Then we'll probably go up to Fleet Farm. And I don't know what time they open. So 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, something yeah, like that? Yeah, we haven't even looked. We're going to start our uh, okay. adventure tonight. So okay. um, we just normally go and look for, you know, like blankets for the dog, toys for dogs, okay. um, charity gifts for, sure. like, for okay, so you're going to start off at like oh dawn thirty. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's going to be dark. You'll you'll probably wait in line a little bit before the store opens up. You'll be with a bunch of people, and then you'll kind of rush through. Is it fun for you to do it, or is it just kind of well? It's 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 some it's fun to be with the people that you're you're with, and you enjoy that. I'm going to be honest with you. I used to work in retail, so I know that part of it. And people are pretty rude, but I always fought thought that it was fun to be a part of it uh-huh. so yeah it's it's thrilling it's fun to be with everybody we meet new people we always ask so what are you going in the store for and if right. we're in the same area we try to help them and they try to help us it's been you know i've always had fun with it okay i've never seen fights i've never seen any of that stuff but i also go in areas where that's not happening right you know? but it. it can happen anywhere sure no i got it they said no i i i understood so i mean I, i'm sure you do bond with the people in line you know oh, what what are you know what are you waiting here for well i'm trying to get the new hot toy doll that's out before they're gone and i i want to save thirty dollars on the the dvd the blu-ray disc player or something for people who still buy blu-ray discs mary in burlington mary you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon okay are you gonna are you a big are you a good friend Good Friday, I, a black I, a Black Friday shopper. I used to be, and uh, my grandkids at one point wanted to go. They were like eight and ten, and I said, "Oh, you'll never, you just won't be able to cut it. We'll be, you know, you have to be up at three thirty. They're like, "Oh, Graham, please take us, please take us." And so I said, "Okay." And uh, it took about five minutes from the time I shook them awake till they were in the car and ready to go. And we had a ball, and we did it for a number of years after that. Um, and now I don't do it anymore because I'm just because. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's like a, you want to sleep in. It's three thirty in the morning. You're not getting up to right, go stand outside right. the Best Buy store. I understand. Yeah. And now they're sixteen and eighteen, and they will be at Mayfair at six o'clock on Thursday night. They've continued to do this. They like to do it. They are very computer savvy, and right. I'm sure they get a lot of stuff on the computer, but. They just like the experience, and I mean, we had fun when we did it. We right. um, we enjoyed the experience, but like, 
I'm too old for this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right, you're right. You're. I see. I, I understand perfectly. I mean, I'm not sure what my. You know, I'm not sure that I was ever into that three thirty or four o'clock standing outside a store, but certainly not now. So, but your kid, the grandkids go at night, so they go. They'll, they'll be there like at eight o'clock Thursday night. You think? They, we have to have dinner early so that they can be up at Mayfair at six o'clock, and they probably won't get back until. Afternoon on Friday, they'll be out there and wow. going from store to store and wow, um, yeah, wow. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if they'll come back with anything, but um, that's they it. Like to do it. Now, thank. See, that's that is. That is my idea of a certain place, you know, that, that you don't want to go. I mean, really, I just, I, I'm not a shopper to begin with, and I, I just, I'm not tolerant of crowds, and it's just, I know that this is nothing about that finds, I, I find to be appealing, which is why one of the many reasons that I'm so fortunate to have my lovely wife who, who, who likes to shop for me, you know, so she'll come home and say, look, I found it. I found you this shirt or I found you these things. You look really good in this or I got this for you. And I get to say, yeah, I love it. Let's talk to Richard in Milwaukee. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Richard. Um, I have never accepted the idea of Black Friday. I have never done it. And what I like to do is continue on Thursday, right. my focus on gratitude for what I already have right. rather than going out to get more. So I stay at home, and I read a book, and I call it Book Friday. Oh, what a nice thing, right? And you just let ev- you let everybody else go do their thing, and you just you worry about the gifts or whatever later on. But, you know, I appreciated hearing the, the female perspective here because they really enjoy it, and it's a free country. Go out and have fun your way. Well, right, and I, I do I, – I don't – I, I do think my deer hunting analogy is fair. And like I said earlier, I mean, I, I look, I, I understand there's female hunters and there's, there's male shoppers, but I, I think this, this Black Friday thing, I think for a lot of women, it's kind of like that bonding thing that they do with their sisters, they do with their friends, you know, they, they do with their daughters and, and it, it's something. No, th- thanks for calling. I mean, I think that it's one of those traditions. And believe me, I, I appreciate the value of family traditions. Patty and McGuanago. Patty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, I got a great story for you. This okay. is going to be out. My son went to Best Buy 2 a.m. in the morning when they opened. He ran around the store. He got all these DVDs and all the stuff that he needed, and he gets to the line, and there's like well over an hour wait. He's nuts to this. He walks over to a stove that's on display. Who buys a stove on Black Friday? <laughs> opens the bottom drawer, throws it all in there. Goes back at 10 a.m. Nobody's <laughs> blind. Goes over, picks it all up. Gets in line, woman says, where did you find that? I've been looking all over. Oh, I found it over there. <laughs> get everything on sale. <laughs> yeah, we get, got everything on sale and didn't have to wait in an hour line to check out. No, I, I thought it was great. I Well, I, I got to tell you it again, Patty. This is just my... Um, it, it's why I'm I'm so fortunate that my wife does the shopping. If Even if I found something, you know, gee, I've got that fill in the blank that I've got that rec- that turntable that I've you know want for the vinyl records I've got that turntable and I and I found it and I if I saw there was an hour line I I just <laughs> I guess my philosophy is life is too short <laughs> Hide at the store somewhere and come back later. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> thanks. Well, there you there you go. It, thanks. It, it it may very it may very well work because you're right. Who's going to buy? It's not like the it's not like the stove is going to be gone. Ah, you're not going to Black Friday. Those people at uh, five a.m. They're not going to be buying the the ovens. I don't think at least. Renee and Waukesha. Renee, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi. Um, when my kids were little, we used to go up north. My mom and stepdad lived up by Lake Arrowhead in, in sure. the Wisconsin Rapids area. Sure. And we would have Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, and then Friday we'd get up early, and they had this thing where Santa would come in the helicopter. Well, then we would, the, the four of us and my kids, we would spend the rest of the day just shopping and having a great time. We'd go out for dinner, and it, it was so fun. And alas, my kids have grown up, and now I go by myself. But I still enjoy it. Well, that's good. Thanks, God, for that. And that, and look, that's the important thing. And I, I agree with one of our previous callers, you know, Richard, to, to each their own. Here's a text. Jeff, Black Friday is a joke. My fiancé worked management at Target and hated the holidays. People are rude, demanding, and jerks because they think they can be. Great for the consumer that wants to put themselves in that environment. I feel awful for the workers forced to deal with that. That That is... Maybe this is, I'm, I'm just going to be a little bit, uh, you know, kind of kumbaya here. It, you know, it, it is it is the holiday season, right? And Christmas is coming up and stuff. And I appreciate that we all get stressed out by these things. And, and I appreciate you want to get the, the perfect, absolutely perfect gift and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's all just stuff. And the important things are our family connections and our friends and all those types of things. And, you know, you, you don't need to be rude. So I guess go out, enjoy Black Friday, um, be nice to the people that have to work there because they'd probably rather be doing anything but that but they're there trying to make a living and so just let's all just kind of get along and enjoy it that being said i i think 10 years from now if we're having this conversation there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say what is this black friday thing that you think uh you speak about and why was it such a big deal this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj So, very glad to have you with us. All right, when is a deal not a deal? Well, apparently it's when you make it with Tom Barrett. This is one of the interesting things. Back in 2009, and we've talked about this before, but there, there's new developments. Summerfest, which is a, an incredible, an incredible local treasure. Summerfest signs a long-term lease, like a 20-year lease with the city. The lease provides the terms. Summerfest is supposed to pay rent. They pay the city. Um, it runs through 2030, the lease. They, they, they pay the city an average of $1.8 million to rent the, the grounds. And they pay, in addition to that, they, they pay a supplemental fee to cover a portion of the security cost. Now, Summerfest has its own security force. You know, you see the people walking around with security shirts, but also there's Milwaukee police officers there as well. The deal was never intended for Summerfest to cover the cost of all the Milwaukee police. It was, in addition to what they spend on their own security, it was intended to help partially offset the costs. And, and that's, it's very clear. So Summerfest pays 1.6, let's see, average of 1.8 million to rent the facility. It goes up, it goes down a little bit. And, um, they pay around $140,000 supplementally to the city. Okay. That's what the deal is. And it's the deal that everybody signed off on. Well, 
Tom Barrett's got his hand out. And Barrett says, well, okay, our costs of providing police have, have gone up. And so what we want is we want you to give us more money. Hmm. We don't care what our contract says. We don't care what our deal says. We want you to give us more money. And Summerfest, I, I think, is like, well, why would we, we do that? We, we've got this deal. So what happened is, and uh, this is my interpretation, I think there's some people with the city who don't like the deal, who've been behind this kind of smear campaign that's been out there. I call it salary shaming where they find out how much money Summerfest CEO Don Smiley makes, and then we're going to leak this to the press. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have people who are going to be outraged. We've got the usual suspects who are going to be outraged that Summerfest, gee, they're, they're paying Don Smiley this much money. And so we, we should be outraged by that. And if they can afford to pay Smiley this much money, they should be a, they should be able to afford to give us more than they are obligated to give us under the lease. It, it's just this mind-boggling sort of thing. So the follow-up is that apparently they're, you know, Summerfest and Milwaukee police are, are meeting to discuss this type of stuff and, and figure it out. But this, what's so bizarre to me is, first of all, you, you now have the city. Now, admittedly, because of all sorts of things, the city is desperate for money. They've got their hands out, but they've got a deal. And this idea of that you've got aldermen or you've got a mayor or you've got some of their toadies in the media who carry water for them who are somehow, you know, outraged at the fact that, I don't know, Don Smiley makes whatever it is that they decide to pay Don Smiley to, to go to, to Summerfest and that, you know, they're not paying more than they're contractually obligated to. Well, I mean, th- this is just an amazing thing about the city of Milwaukee. I mean, and the best example that I could give is let's say you sign a lease. All right. You've agreed to rent an apartment for a year. I'm renting one of Gru's apartment buildings. I'm going to rent an apartment there for a year. We sign a lease and I agree I'm going to pay him a thousand dollars a month. Three months into the lease, he comes to me and says, hey, Jeff, you know, I've got my costs that are going up a little bit. The property taxes went up and the water bill's gone up and I got to replace the roof and I want to do some outdoor painting. So I know we've got a lease that runs a year. And I know it says you pay $1,000 a month, but here's what I want, Jeff. I want you to pay me $1,500 a month. Well, okay, my response is going to be, Gru, I love you, but I, I've got this deal. Now, when the contract is up, when the lease is up, if you want to raise my rent because you've got added costs, well, okay, that's fine. You can raise the rent, and then I can decide whether I'm going to stay or not. But you want me, out of the goodness of my heart, to... I don't know, pay pay you an extra $500 more a month than I'm supposed to under our lease? Are you on drugs? Now, that's what I think the Summerfest response should be to the city. Are you on, on drugs? We've got, you know, we've got this lease. The lease has 10 years to run. The lease specifies what our financial obligations are. And, and yes, you can go try to smear us here and there, and you can talk about, you know, salaries and things like that. But at the end of the day, this is the deal. The deal is the deal. And no, I'm not going to pay you more than I am contractually obligated to pay unless you want to renegotiate the deal and you want to give me something. You know, or if you want to extend it another five, well, I mean, I think it's they've got provisions where it can extend another 10 years beyond 2030. But, you know, if you you want to do something else for me in exchange for, you know, a larger contribution, okay, fine. But that's that's the, the give and take that's out there. The city of Milwaukee appears to think that it is entitled, 
you know, to have, you know, more money um, now because, well, I don't know, the Summerfest CEO is, is making a bunch of money and, you know, we, we think he makes too much money, so he should, they should give us some more money. <laughs> you know, you, you wanted to say to Tom Barrett, who's been a creature of government his entire life and members of the Milwaukee Common Council, many of whom have been creatures of government their entire life, that this is just not the way business works. You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it and, you know, live up to its obligations. Is that too much to ask? Well, I guess maybe for some people in the city of Milwaukee, the answer is yes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, you're hanging around here for the holidays? I am. Yeah, yes. Me, me, me too. Matter of fact, um, I, I, I've been fortunate most of my life that we, my 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 family and my in-laws have lived in the area so we've really never had any reason to travel and so that the the one time i have a, a very dear friend who a number of years ago he they got married and they got married in um uh, east lansing michigan because she went to michigan state and for some reason they decided to get married on the saturday after thanksgiving uh-huh. and, and it, it sounded like like a good idea at the time because okay lots of people are off and stuff but we we flew to to the wedding and stuff and so you went out on friday and you got there and the wedding was saturday and came back on sunday trying to come back on, on sunday oh you know, yeah through these airports was just uh, and and it's only it, I mean and this is only like East Lansing, Michigan, or whatever. Sure, I forget what airport we ended up flying out of, but it was just a nightmare. The yeah. flight was delayed. You had fog. You had bad weather. And it just, I swore that I would never do that again. Well, we're going to see how crazy it is at the airport this afternoon. Tony Bedock's going to be out there at the airport. Right. So I'm sure we're going to have uh, quite a few stories like that, perhaps. Well, especially if, With the if, weather? if the weather is mm-hmm. as bad as they say it is out west. You know, once this whole thing kicks in, you know, when you have like Denver Airport gets closed or that sort of stuff with all the connect or Minneapolis where the weather's supposed to be terrible. Yeah. And you know, when they say, you know, even if your plane isn't affected, like if you're not driving or flying to a snow covered area, other planes that are connecting oh, flights. Sure, I mean, delayed. you're going to see yeah. delays across the board. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm really thankful. I mean, that's something I'm thankful for this year is not traveling. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah, just, that's a tough one. No, it is just kind of this dynamic, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, it's you know, it's no problem. We're going to go out to my you know stepdaughter's house, and sure. you know, and that, that it's in Sussex. I can get I can get <laughs> yes. from where I live to Sussex. That can all work out. I love it when people like um, ask, you ask them if they're traveling, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm traveling. I'm going to West Alice. I'm like, mm, that's <laughs> no. not really traveling <laughs> but it's it's it well okay i'm glad, glad to hear that you are going to be around as well i was listening matter of fact i was listening to melissa's newscast and i i, I had to I, I just kept thinking about one of the stories that she chose to lead with and i want to go back to this you know press release that bob donovan the the alderman sent out and donovan's leaving and you know he, he's his point is the common council has all these important things to deal with and what did they spend time with today? Well, they were dealing with a report of the Public Works Committee um, to, to tell city agencies to establish a gender-inclusive bathroom policy in all municipal buildings. And then they voted on the report of the Public Safety and Health Committee to ban plastic drinking straws in restaurants. I mean, that's what they're spending their, their time doing. And by the way, the ban is not an absolute one. You can... You can ask for a plastic drinking straw, and the restaurants can still give you one. They just can't. When you order the soda, they can't just bring it out and give you one without you asking. 
I, I swear I don't make these things up. But anyhow, that's what the politicians are spending their time on. And then Melissa told you about the latest example of, well, what it's like to live in certain areas of the city of Milwaukee. Here's how it's reported. Two people taken into custody early Tuesday morning, early today, after crashing their car into a home while, wait for it, fleeing from police. The crash sparked a fire that damaged two homes. Here's what happened. 2.30 this morning, police see this car blow through a red light at a high rate of speed on 30th and Burleigh. It narrowly misses another vehicle going westbound on Burleigh. So you got this. It's 2.30 in the morning. Car blows through a red light, damn near hits another car. All right. Police try to pull the car over. The squad activates its light and sirens to conduct a traffic stop. However, this is the city of Milwaukee. And so what do you do if you are a driver in the city of Milwaukee? Well, you run from the police because we let you run from the police for years after year after year. So they run from the police. All right. The officers then follow the car loses control. The driver loses control. Um, the car goes airborne near 13th and Columbia and crashes into a front porch. I'm looking at the pictures of this. After the crash, okay, so the car flips over, goes airborne, smashes into a house. All right, the car catches on fire and sets the house on fire. The 21, the driver is a 21-year-old Milwaukee woman and a passenger, a 24-year-old Milwaukee man. Okay, so imagine this. You've blown through a red light at a high rate of speed. You damn near hit a car. You flee from the police. You lose control of your car. You go airborne. You smash into a house and you start to, your car gets set on fire and the house gets set on fire. Okay, what do you do then? Uh, grew I'd ask you, but your first two questions don't ca- don't don't count. You flee, they run, and then the police ultimately arrest them and then transport them to a local hospital for non-threatening injuries. I I, I swear this is one of these things. You know, you, you hear about all these people who die in automobile crashes, and then you have you know these criminals who decide we're going to flee at a high rate of speed, we're going to smash, we're going to go airborne, we're going to smash into a house, and, and they're they're able to run, not walk away, they're able to run away from it. Um, two houses, co- two homes caught on fire, extinguished by the Milwaukee Police Department. Okay, and, and here's, I'm looking at a story actually in Fox 6, and, and this, is, this is kind of the dazzling detail of the story. Criminal charges will be presented to the DA's office in the upcoming days. Milwaukee police remind all motorists that fleeing from police is a felony and to pull over for law enforcement. Okay. All right. Yes. I, I, first of all, I have no problem with, with that. It, it is a felony and to pull over for law enforcement. Okay. So here, here's, here's the deal, though. And this is where this is a case that I actually made a mental note to kind of mark it to see what happens. Fleeing from police is a felony. It is a felony that is not always, and candidly, I think over the years has probably rarely been used. Also, you know, how, what's going to happen? My guess is this 21-year-old, maybe she's got a driver's license. My guess is probably not. I could be wrong. 
could be wrong, but my guess is probably not. Um, probably driving no license, suspended license, revoked license, etc., etc. Don't know whether the car was stolen or who it belonged to or or whatever. But my guess is probably not the first time at the rodeo, rodeo because I just don't think you wake up one morning and say, hey, it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm going to blow through an intersection at a high rate of speed, darn near hit a car, flee from the police, lose control, and then try to run away from the cops. So charges will be presented to the DA's office. That's fine. Milwaukee police remind all motorists that fleeing from police is a felony. That's all well and good. But here, here's the question. Will the DA's office, under John Chisholm, will they start taking these matters seriously? Will they charge? Will they push for a conviction? And then will the Milwaukee County Circuit Court judges start putting people in prison for running from the police? I mean, see, look, this is where it all goes back to. I think in this city... We have cultivated a whole policy and an attitude of just do whatever the heck you want. Run away from the cops. You're not going to have consequences. And it's going to take us a long time to get back away from that. The idea, I mean, candidly, fleeing from the cops under a circumstance like this, I'd be putting this woman in prison for at least five years. Yes, I don't care what her background is. I'd be putting her in prison for at least five years because she caused a ton of property damage. She endangered people's lives. you got to send a message that you can't do these things. I have no idea what her race is. I don't care what her race is. When people run from the police, we have to say this is unacceptable. It is dangerous. And you are going to be held accountable. And, and yeah, I hope they charge her. I hope they, if they convict her, I hope some judge has the guts to say, all right, we've got to stop this nonsense. We've got to stop this lawlessness. And one of the ways we're going to do it is, number one, to send a message to other people that if you run from the cops, it's not something that you walk away from. You're going to prison. And secondly, to deter the those people, to protect society because, you know, you slap her on the wrist, you put her back out on the streets, and six months later, she's going to be doing the same darn thing. Another day in Milwaukee, same story. The Common Council is concerned about plastic straws, and you got people, again, running from the police. Go figure. This is Jeff. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One of our listeners suggesting that the guy who was in the car, not the driver, was a 21-year-old woman who was driving, suggests that uh, once all is said and done, it's going to turn out that the guy, at least, um, has has a criminal record and may have been under some form of supervision. If that's true, how's that supervision working out, huh? A number, actually, a, a number of you are are just too smart for me. The you know, if you will recall, a week or two ago, Milwaukee municipal judge in an effort to try to, in my opinion, deflect blame from the failure of the municipal court to deal with this issue, said, well, you know, we we have this problem because, you know, years ago, the Milwaukee Public Schools did away with driver's ed. And so that, that that's, you know, we have this generation of people who, you know, uh, just, just didn't learn the rules properly, to which I, I have to say, I don't know if it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but it's definitely one of the stupidest things I've heard this month. The idea that, oh, gee, the reason people are driving 80 miles an hour through red lights and hitting and 
killing four-year and six-year-old kids is because they, they didn't get a full course of driver's ed eight or nine years ago. I mean, give me a break. And, of course, that's the theme that was picked up and parroted by State Senator Lena Taylor, who wants to be the mayor. And, and it's all just a way of trying to shift responsibility um, away, number one, from the bad guys, and, and number two, uh, away from, I, I think, institutions – say, like the Milwaukee Municipal Court System, that's done a lousy job of protecting the populace when it comes to imposing harsh penalties on repeat bad drivers. But a number of people are, are pointing out with texts, um, gee, this thing you're talking about this morning wouldn't have happened if the Milwaukee schools had, like, driver's ed. Yeah, that's that's it. If, if we, when actually they do now, but, you know, if years ago we had driver's ed, this 21-year-old woman wouldn't have blown through the red light, almost hitting a car, wouldn't have fled from the cops, wouldn't have gone airborne. <sighs> right. Okay. Let us completely and totally switch gears. I was uh, I was late to the game when it came to Netflix. I'm not an early adopter. I'm I'm just not. But but after a while, you know, when when stuff gets into the popular culture and everybody else has something, I go, "Hey, that sounds kind of cool. I think I would like it." And I, I was that way with Netflix about I think I got it maybe a year, year and a half ago. And and I I I enjoy it. I like binge watching on the TV shows. I like some of the new releases that they have out there. It's a nice alternative to, you know, regular TV. And I'm addicted to, you know, television. I mean, right now, I'm uh, I'm working my way through the season three of The Crown, which is a new Netflix thing, and I'm binge watching The West Wing, the old uh, TV show. Which, by the way, at least for the first couple years, it shows what a what a I think a good show it was because even though the perspective is decidedly from the left, I still think it's it's an interesting show to watch. Even though I think some of the political points they make are, are kind of like roll your eyes on that. So I, I'm okay. So I, I'm in with Netflix. So I, I pay the money for. Netflix you know, every month. I think I get charged somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 bucks or so for Netflix. I think that's that's what the Netflix is. At the same time, you've got Netflix. You've got all these other different things that are out there. You've got, you know, you've got the Google thing. You've got the Amazon thing. You've got all these different streaming services. CBS is going to be rolling out with one. But the big one that launched over the course of the last few days has been the Disney Plus um, streaming service. Disney Plus, um, the app, has been downloaded 15.5 million times. It's a $7, ninety nine, $7 per month streaming service, mobile app, downloaded 15.5 million times. That's a story out today. The streaming platform, which features content from Disney and Disney-owned properties like Marvel and the Star Wars franchise, raked in $5 million through in-app purchases in the first 13 days. Okay, so very, very successful. After Disney launched its new streaming service about you know, two weeks ago, they say that they had racked up 10 million subscribers. 10 million subscribers. To put the numbers in perspective, Netflix, which is the, the current top streaming service, Netflix has more than 60 million paid subscribers in the U.S. and 97 million internationally. And, of course, Netflix, it, it used to be 
the, the company got started when it would send like DVDs of movies through the mail and then, you know, stri- primarily started, you know, streaming. So, you know, here you go. You, you now have this competitor to Netflix that's out there. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've kind of really sort of gotten to the point when it comes to entertainment watching that I'm kind of I'm kind of over, at overload between the the regular stuff and I haven't cut the cord between the regular stuff that's on cable for me and between I don't know I still have some Blu-ray discs of movies that I watch from time to time and the streaming stuff that's on Netflix I I, I just don't know that I have time for anything else I, I don't know that if I were to go and purchase another one of these streaming services whether it's Disney or any of the other ones I, I just I don't I don't think I would use it just because there's only so many hours in the day. I'm almost at the point where, again, it's sort of like television entertainment, and I use that in the broadest way when I say television because I'm including the streaming stuff. I'm at overload. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, are you going to have you – are you going to jump on this, this Disney bandwagon now and get this – and what about these other services that are going to be rolling out? Are you going to be signing up for them as well? Or are you kind of like, I, I can't, kind of like me, I, I just, there's not enough hours in the day for me to watch all the stuff that is available to me now, much less dropping an extra $7 or whatever to, to start the, the Disney stuff. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, have we reached almost saturation streaming overload or is it the more the merrier 414-799-1620 we discuss in a moment if you're on the line please hold on this is jeff wagner on wtmj we are back couple texts jeff it's free disney is free for the first seven days I will be curious to know three months from now the amount of actual subscribers once you start having to pay. I, I think that's a, a very fair point. I mean, a lot of these places, and Disney's one, where you, you, what they're trying to do is get people in the door with the idea that you, you, you know, once you get people in the door, you know, once you get people signed up, they're they're not going to pay attention, and there there is a, something to that. I mean, once you get people signed up, you end up not noticing the seven dollars or eight dollars or whatever that come on your credit card bill every month. And so, once they get you hooked with the teaser rates, you're all set. Jeff, uh, Verizon phone customers with unlimited data plans and home internet customers um, get Disney free for a year. I took advantage. Well, I mean, if it's free, but even but see, here's the thing: even if it's free. Which, which is which is great. Even if it's free, the question is, how much television can you watch? I mean, seriously, what? All right, I, I understand. Okay, well, it's got the Star Wars stuff and things like that. But is that in and of itself the Star Wars things and some of the Marvel movies that people have seen? Is is that going to be enough? That's going to significantly drive people to say, all right, I, I'm willing to commit long term to pay seven dollars a month or ten dollars a month or, or whatever i don't think so jeff i'm not going to sign up to stuff besides netflix we're back to the old days of cable tv where you need five streaming services to watch the stuff people are talking about and like you said you probably won't night watch 90 percent of it i can't watch 90 percent of it i just 
I don't have the time um, between I like to watch live sports. My wife likes to walk, watch the Hallmark Channel. And then you got the Lifetime Christmas movies and stuff. Explain to me where I'm going to find the time to binge watch on, you know, uh, eight or nine or ten episodes of, you know, whatever the new show is that I may or may not like. It's And, I mean, look, I think it's great. It's a golden age of TV. But at the same time, I, I think you're going to see that there's going to be a shakeout. And a lot of these new ventures, maybe there's going to be success early on. But I really wonder three or four or five years from now whether or not they'll still be operating or whether or not you're going to see a consolidation where, okay, you know, Disney decides, all right, we're going to end up, we need more programming, so we're going to merge with somebody else. We're going to take it over. Don't be surprised if that happens. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Most people get their health insurance through their employer. Your employer pays generally the larger share, lion's share, you contribute. The second largest group is people who are on Medicare, people who are 65 or older, or in some cases you can qualify you know, the, or for Medicaid. So that's the second largest group. Then you have like the military and you have you know the government programs as well. But that's that's essentially what it breaks down. And, of course, you have that percentage of people who get in their insurance through the Affordable Care Act. So there are options that are available to various people. Now, there's always problems with insurance.